Hi everyone and welcome to The Interesting, a podcast on how to craft knowledge, skill and expertise. I'm your host, Vernel Noel, research scientist, writer and architect. Tune in, it's pretty interesting. Robotics League is a movement of students here at MIT back to Nigeria to expose young people in Nigeria to be passionate about technology. Arthur Musa is a filmmaker from Ghana, Ukraine, and the United States. His first documentary, Niger Beta, premiered in 2016 at the Pan African International Film Festival in Cannes. It also won Best Documentary Feature at the Urban Media Makers Film Festival in Atlanta and an Achievement in Documentary Film Award at the Silicon Valley African Film Festival. Arthur studied filmmaking in the MFA program at the University of Southern California as an Annenberg Fellow and holds a Bachelor's and Master's degree in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science from MIT. He continues his exploration of African identities in a globalized age through his upcoming feature, One Day I Too Go Fly. Arthur is someone I find interesting. Arthur, welcome to my podcast. Thanks so much, Bernal. It's a great pleasure to be here. Who is Arthur Musa? Interesting question. Uh (laughs) Arthur is, um, well, I am a filmmaker, a friend, a brother. I'm son, I'm an engineer, but professionally I'm a filmmaker, so a storyteller, but through cinema. Growing up, what was your family's ethos around work and your learning, whether spoken or unspoken? Really cool question. I guess maybe a little bit about my family. My mom is Russian-Ukrainian, my dad is Ghanaian. They met as students in college and our family then had me, and then my brother, and then we also grew up with a couple of cousins from my, my dad's side in Ghana, mostly. So most of our growing up was in Ghana. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were always doing things together. Mm-hmm. Well, we lived in northern Ghana in Bolgatanga. In Ghana, we had a rainy season and dry season. Mm-hmm. That's basically how the year was split up. Mm-hmm. And during the rainy season, you basically till the earth and then grow crops in whatever land you have near you. And I think that part came from my dad's background. My dad grew up in a, in a village in northern Ghana in the Upper West region called Heng. Mm-hmm. And it's an agricultural society, so everybody tries to grow crops for their own use and then also to sell. I really love that we have that experience. My brother, my, myself, my cousins, We'll have a goal for the day, for the weekend. We have to either weed the crops or plant the crops or fertilize the crops. But we'd have a goal, we'd split it up, and everybody had a task to, to complete. We all took part in taking care of chickens and goats that we had at different times. So I guess the work ethic that we grew up with was everybody gets to contribute, everybody's involved. You chip in what you can, no matter how old you are. And it's kind of fun, but it's also kind of a chore. Everybody had roles in cleaning the house. Once every week or every other week, we'd do a major cleaning in the house. 
and also like cooking, right? My mom was the only woman in our household wow. when we were growing up, and cooking was never relegated to like female role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody learned how to cook just because you know you had to eat, so you had to learn how to cook, and so we took turns making meals. So we all grew up knowing how to make food, which is a very useful skill. Um, <laughs> right. And years later, when I was in college at MIT, I remember having difficulty in some problem sets like homework that we'd be given. And I remember there was one particular assignment, but I remember starting it one night and then getting stumped by the first question. So I moved on to the next question and getting got stumped there. Maybe the third question I was able to do a little piece of it. But then I read through the whole thing and just was so downhearted because it was tough and I just didn't know how to get it done. Mm-hmm. So I gave up and went back to bed. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of the night, 2 a.m. or something, or 3 a.m., I woke up and there was this image of my dad tinkering with a leaking tap, mm-hmm. not the tap itself, but the pipe right. that, that was going from under the sink. Mm-hmm. I remember the image of my dad tinkering with that and not giving up. And I remember I was just so frustrated by how long it was taking him to get this done because I was involved in helping him. And I was like, okay, he needs to give up already <laughs> and just call a professional to come and get it done. But he kept going at it. And somehow that image helped me rally strength to pull out the homework, the problem set, and get it and tackle it again. And I didn't finish all of it, but I got more of the questions done. And I think it was that work ethic that my parents raised all I, all their children up on that really helped me push through and that's helped me push through in different aspects of my life. Tell us, what do you do? I make documentary films. I have finished one a couple of years ago and then I'm in the final stages of post-production on my second one. So I guess the way I think of the work I do in film is to help fill in some gaps in the narrative about Africans mm-hmm. out in the world, in cinema specifically. So my experience has been a lot of immigration, right? My growing up, I was born in the Soviet Union in Ukraine, moved to Ghana, grew up and was raised in Ghana, and then moved to the U.S. for college. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of grown up on and been shaped by three continents and three different cultures. And so a lot of the African friends that I have have a similar experience, right? Because when you move to college, you kind of try to find your people, and uh, those are the easiest people to connect with when you're a stranger in a, in a foreign land. Mm-hmm. I felt like the 18 years I spent in the U.S., I've had conversations with other Africans that I've gone on this journey with, mm-hmm. and I realized there wasn't a lot of cinema that reflected or explored what we had gone through and what that experience means for our understanding of who we are, where we are now, and then what that means for America, but also Africa, right? The places we come from, the places where we're living in right now. Right. And so for me, that's an exciting part of, that's, that's an area that I'm familiar with, that rings true to me, that I maybe have the expertise from my own life to explore. And so my films are about that experience. The Exposure Robotics League is a movement of students here at MIT back to Nigeria to expose young people in Nigeria to be passionate about technology. So my first film is called Niger Beta or Niger Beta, Mm -hmm. and it's about a team of 
uh, Nigerian and Nigerian American students, college students at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in the U.S., who get together, they start a robotics summer education program for kids in Nigeria. And so they go and launch it and they run it for the first time. And so I make a film about that, that explores the, this experience of teaching and learning by the kids who are learning engineering for the first time in Lagos, but also the experience of homecoming. These are the, char the main characters, the MIT Nigerian and Nigerian American students, were raised in families that are Nigerian, but sometimes they hadn't really seen Nigeria before. And so for them, it was it was their attempt to reconnect with the country of their, let's say, heritage, mm -hmm. and to figure out what are the constructive ways in which they can reconnect with that country and that, that nation. So that part was really interesting to me. Those are the themes that I was constantly drawn to. And the second film is similar but different. It's also set at MIT, but this time it's about African students coming to MIT and going through the college experience in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I follow them for over four years, so from the day they arrive until graduation, mm -hmm. and I am trying to chart how your understanding of yourself changes within this specific context. You know, you're African, you come to America, you go through a very tough a curriculum at a world-famous institution. You're growing up, you come in as a teenager, you leave as an adult. Those are years that shape who you are, but then you're also a foreigner in another country, and so there's another dimension to what's happening with your identity formation. And so that's what that film is about. That's what I do. Arthur, so you make films on Africans for cinema. Why do you do it? Why does this need to be done? What's at stake here? My films, they're trying to understand who a certain type of African is. What happens to you when you're African, you leave home and you go out into the world? There is part of you that stays African, but there's a part of you that is no longer African. The films I'm making about trying to understand identity, our African, a specific kind of African identity in our globalized world. And it's important to make films like that or just tell stories about different types of Africans, different African situations, different places in Africa. Especially it's important to do it as, as an African. Right. Because I think for a long time, Africa has been defined by other people on, on the global scale, right? So we've always prided ourselves in our rich oral storytelling traditions. Mm -hmm. But we live in an age where the written word and video and cinema are, power, are more powerful, maybe more accessible right. modes of communicating. Okay. Most of that, I feel like for a long time, has been done outside of Africa, about Africa. Mm -hmm. And so there have been distortions that have, have skewed a lot of things in the world. I mean, I think the distortions help perpetuate racism, they per help perpetuate imbalance of power and I think taking back our narratives and telling our own stories from our point of view thinking about them is a way to maybe regain some of that power and define ourselves I've always seen storytelling or art as well as cinema as a way to look at where you're going look at where you've been critically make decisions about your next steps mm -hmm. so if 
somebody else is holding up that mirror, they, they have a chance to skew it a little bit. But if you have your own people exploring that, I think it serves the continents, its countries, its people well. In any case, I don't believe in one person getting anything right. I right. think a multiplicity of voices mm-hmm. discussing and exploring help achieve better results, reach greater truths, and, and propel societies in, in positive directions. So yeah, that's why I make that's why I think it's important to make films about Africa as an outfit. In Niger Beta, there was a running thread I found that really resonated with me. In the film you said sometimes to complete yourself you have to come back home. Can you tell us a bit about that with respect to your journey? Well first of all thank you for the compliments. I'm glad it resonated with you. Yes, I mostly trained as an engineer, but after a while, after working for four years as an engineer, I went back to school to study filmmaking. And that's because internally I felt I was searching for something else. I felt like there's a a large part of me, a creative, resourceful part of me that was not being utilized as an engineer. And so that got me to thinking about all the things that I had loved doing, both as a kid in Ukraine, but also as a kid or a teenager in Ghana. I had always loved storytelling, you know, I always loved the arts. And that's when I got a camera, a digital camcorder, and started filming things. And then I started taking writing classes or screenwriting on lunch break at work. You know, I went and studied film. Wait, on lunch break, you said? Yeah. Yes, I actually talked to my manager at my job at Texas Instruments as an engineer and he agreed that I could take an extended lunch just as long as I got my other work done. Basically, filmmaking slowly came into focus, and once I started doing it, I realized I really loved this, and I could see myself doing it as a career, you know, but it was really scary to make that shift because as an engineer, there's some things that I kind of guarantee there's a fixed path. We live in an age where computer scientists and electrical engineers are in high demand. So there are job opportunities and there's a secure income. But as an artist, I mean, you almost never know where your next paycheck is going to come from. And maybe I'll take a step back. I think in college, I used to take one writing class a semester because I really loved writing. So there's a lot of creative writing. There's short stories of poetry. I had really awesome teachers. I also took a class with Junior Diaz. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time he was giving me feedback on a short story I'd written. So he's like, you know, walk with me to the office. And we were talking and he, was, he said, go live in multiple continents, get your heart broken in different places. And then when you're ready to do a Master of Fine Arts in writing, reach out to me and I'll guide you through the process of applying and I'll give you tips on, you know, whether they do programs and all that stuff. And it was a very simple moment, probably for him. But I remember leaving that conversation feeling, wow, like my mind had been blown. Because up until that point, I had never imagined the art that I love to do, the storytelling that I love to do as a serious professional thing that I could pursue. It was always a hobby, right? A side thing. You live your life seriously, you work as an engineer, you do your science. It had never crossed my mind that I could professionally or seriously study writing. He was the first person that made that light bulb go off in my head. That kind of mentorship, I think, 
can be pretty critical in different people's lives. Right. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to narrate that story so given the topic of your podcast. Mm -hmm. So anyway, eventually I came to filmmaking, started doing it and exploring it, and it felt right. Mm -hmm. And I was excited by the idea of making films because I felt like my being just resonated and was happy when, when I work on films. I can go many extra miles. I go to bed exhausted and overworked, right. but my spirit, my body, and my soul are very happy. I'm content. My, my whole being is being utilized, but I felt I could contribute something new and different to the place that I come from, Ghana, Africa, maybe Ukraine even. Mm -hmm. I felt like there weren't films being made that I wanted to see about the continent and its people. And I felt like if I went into filmmaking and worked really hard and trained, that I could fill those gaps. Mm -hmm. And so that part, the mission part of it, doing something larger than yourself, you know, just making a living and making a paycheck and, and doing something fun, but it also has a purpose. Right. That part made it even more exciting. And so that's why filmmaking is felt right. What unique experiences and skills do you think you bring to the world of film, filmmaking and documentaries? My lens, my tastes, my experiences of living in multiple cultures, my specific upbringing in Accra, in Bolgatanga, in Sunyane, in Kumase, all of those things shape the kind of films that I make and what I look out for. I think I have an ethic of hard work. I'm happy to work hard at something I love. But I think mostly it's my life experiences and my lens on, on what's important and what kinds of stories are interesting. What do you enjoy most about what you do? I love the fact that this project, these two films that I've been working on the last few years, have allowed me to travel to different parts of the continent that I would not have gone otherwise. Some other things I've loved is making community. Having a community mm -hmm. and feeling like you weren't in this project alone or with just a couple of people, I love that. I loved it whenever the film spoke to people. How do you reconnect in a substantial way with the country of your roots, where you come from? Okay. To see the film go out into the world and do the work that I hoped it would do is very fulfilling. And that's that the work kind of goes and has a life of its own. I asked Arthur to tell us about his approach or journey when it comes to crafting knowledge, skill and expertise. I try to remind myself that building any kind of knowledge and expertise takes time. So I'm not really into the cheap and fast way to do things. I think it's always good to explore. Like you get an idea about something you want to get good at, it's good to explore and see how it fits. I think a good example to illustrate what I'm talking about is I was working at, as an engineer at Texas Instruments when the idea of becoming a filmmaker came to me. Mm -hmm. I started taking classes and actually got some friends to get together and shoot some film with me so we wrote a script and got a coffee shop to let us come in early and then shoot a scene basically i like to go out and test my ideas of what i wanted what i wanted to do 
the question to myself was, do I think filmmaking is just cool and that's why I'm excited about it? Mm-hmm. Or is this something I can see myself really spending years of time doing? And so it was important to me not just to say, okay, I'm going to go to film school right away. Mm-hmm. I wanted to slowly th- start to explore what it really meant to be a writer, what it meant to be a filmmaker. And so I took a couple of years to explore that idea and to figure out, well, what are the paths? So there's a lot of research that came with that. So I was able to buy some equipment and start playing around with it. Um, I went in forums and read a lot. I bought books about directing, read what that in- entailed. I got video editing software and started playing around with it. And then I realized that I could keep learning on my own, but it would be a very slow process. Mm-hmm. Or I could, I could carve out two or three years of my life where I'm like, I'm going to stop everything else and dedicate it to mastering the craft of filmmaking. And so to do that, I had to go to film school. So there were two options that I looked at. And after two years, I decided I wanted to do the filmmaking intensive mm-hmm. training. And that's, that meant going back to school. The biggest thing is to understand that getting expertise takes time. So it requires a lot of patience. It requires sharp focus. So you have clear goals in mind. And sometimes it takes time to clarify those goals, but it's fine to do that. But it takes listening to both your head and your heart about whether you should be dedicating a huge chunk of your life in in crafting that expertise. You notice what Arthur did here? He essentially conducted his own experiment. He did his research, got the tools he needed, and experimented with filmmaking to see if he really wanted to do this. After putting himself through that test, then he was able to make an informed decision that he really wanted to pursue film. Absolutely. I would absolutely describe it the way you summarize it. Yeah, you basically have an idea, you start exploring it to figure out how true it rings to you. Uh, So part of it is a question to yourself, is this something I really want to do? And then if the answer is yes, then you start exploring, well, what does it mean to become a master at that, to gain really good? So other things I did was I just take a still camera and go out taking pictures for multiple months. And mostly it was this idea that I read online, which was you got to train your eye. And, And the most efficient way to do that before you become a filmmaker is to actually take still photos because you get to practice lighting, you get to practice mood, you get to practice composition and framing. You get to translate your taste, your idea in your head about film into an actual image. And then film or cinema is a, is a series of those images playing in sequence at a certain frame rate. And then part of it was just figuring out, well, if you want to go to film school, what does it take to get into film school? So some of the film school required portfolios. So maybe some of the photography I was doing could work towards that. Others required that you have a screenplay. So I started working on that. Then, well, how am I going to fund it? So it becomes a project that you basically have to break down into little bits and then problem solve along the way. In what ways have moments of struggle and failure help make you who you are today? How have these moments prepared you for who you are today? I think failure is absolutely essential for growing. When you come into college, you have a certain idea of what your limits are. 
what's the furthest you can go before you give up. But in college or at MIT, you realize that you can go much, much further than that. Because you go through these experiences where you're like, wait, why can't I do this problem? I just went to all the lectures, I did all the prep, but this doesn't make sense, you know? <laughs> and you give up on your homework, you go to bed, but then the image of your dad tackling your you know, the problem comes back to mind and you wake up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever and you go back and try it and you get a little further than that and you learn to take those little victories and build on them and then when you've done it a few times you realize I've been here before I failed but I was able to rise from that and so you learn from that and the next time it's not as scary I remember when we started one day to go fly the film project we try to find some money for it and we wrote a bunch of grant applications and the very first time they were all rejection letters and I was absolutely devastated. I remember lying on the floor of my apartment just absolutely heartbroken and depressed and crushed that after a year of work none of the organizations that I was applying to saw value in this film that I was making. Mm -hmm. But then you sleep on it, you rally and you're like okay so that path didn't open up what else can I do? You learn to find yeses in other places. You search for new opportunities. That process of failing and realizing failure is not the end just makes you stronger for the next failure. So you're equipped to tackle bigger and bigger challenges. And eventually you can become a master of whatever it is you're working on. Any advice for others who are interested in what you do? I would say test things out. I think no matter where you are, no matter what tools you have, for example, if you fancy filmmaking, use your cell phone camera if you have one. If that's you know, the only camera you have access to, find free software online somewhere. Find the time to figure out how to make that software work. Don't think you need all the money in the world to make the biggest, the fanciest action type film. Scale things down. You may not have a lot of resources financially, but maybe what you have is the well of creativity that you have to offer. So actually, a lot of filmmakers, and in film school, we had this exercise very early where they had every student make a film completely on their own. So you had to produce it, you had to write it, you had to... The only people you could you could collaborate with was actors. So you could cast actors to, to play the roles, mm -hmm. but you had to write it, you had to shoot it, you had to produce it, you had to cast it, you had to do the sound and editing and everything all yourself. First of all, that teaches you to respect all the positions in filmmaking mm -hmm. and not just think you like an amazing person as a director, like this is all your brainchild. You actually realize that the cinematographer, the, the sound person, the producer all have very critical roles and contribute creatively and substantially to achieving a film. But you realize also that you have this well of creativity, right? So you may not have a lot of resources, but there are a lot of things that you can do on your own. So I think you should embrace that and explore, test things out, rise from failure, fail, get better, and just keep going. What do you hope your impact on this world would be? I hope my films connect with people. It's hard to predict exactly what reactions I want, but my impact on the world, I hope, is to... Well, I, I, for the films that I'm making right now, I think I'm excited about the opportunity 
to spotlight African youth on a world-class stage like the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. For me, that's not a film or a book I've seen or read, and so I think it's powerful. It would be great if the films I'm making reach that gap, show kids all over the continent and all over other continents that even a revered place, right, like a, a world-class stage, like one of the best engineering universities in the world, that you too can participate there. Somebody who looks like you can participate, can go through that experience, can graduate, can get launched onto this world stage like that. I hope my impact on the world would be to make hallowed places or exclusive places more accessible to, to you people all around the world. When you write your book, what will it be about? <laughs> well, I think I've been privileged. So maybe it'll be about finding what privilege we each have within our lives and capitalizing on that to try and make a difference, try and make it count for somebody else. I'm able to study film and make film because in some ways I'm privileged not to have a family that relies on me to make ends meet. I know not everybody has that kind of privilege, so I kind of have that freedom. Mm-hmm. So I feel like some people that are straddled with a burden of taking care of basic needs for themselves and their family don't have as many opportunities as I have had. But I think no matter what your life is, you have a little bit more privilege than somebody else. And it's important to appreciate that and maybe make it count in whatever little way, whether it's, you know, get involved in politics in your local level get involved in teaching, get involved in volunteering, become an artist, the different callings that we have. And so maybe my book, the way you put it, my (laughs) book would be about trying to find what lever of opportunity you have to make the world a slightly better place or your corner of the world a slightly better place. Any closing thoughts? I think it's great what you're doing, just kind of trying to document people's experiences of learning and getting better at the chosen field of work. Kudos to you for that. I guess having benefited from a community of supporters, I would say maybe I can just, I would love to remind people that whether it's like a dollar or just their time, they can choose to make an impact that is maybe larger than themselves. And maybe I'm bringing that up because of the times we're living in. There's a very sudden kind of government in the US. There is a sudden nationalist movement, anti-immigrant sentiments in different parts of the world. Refugees are being turned down. Muslims under all kinds of suspicious scrutiny and all that stuff. So there's a lot of nasty stuff going on in the world. And I think it's easy for people that are heartbroken by that to feel like the way the world is broken is so big that we cannot fix it. But that's how the quote-unquote other side wins. They want you to check yourself out and believe that you cannot make a difference because then they get to have their way if you've checked yourself out and you're not participating. But I think each one of us has great power and great agency. And if each one of us refused to be cynical and took a role in shaping our society, whether it's mentoring a kid or whether it's paying a kid's school fees or being a mentor in their life or 
creating artwork or speaking up or volunteering on a campaign for somebody that's local, not even at a national level. Right. I think all of those things absolutely count and eventually they add up to make a more fair and more just world. I don't think we each have to solve every pl problem out there right. or take on every injustice or everything that needs fixing. But we can pick one thing and be true to what time and skills we have to offer to that one thing, and we can make a difference. One of the things I learned from Arthur today was that failure is not the same as giving up. It's essential for growing. Failure means that you've tried. The second thing we learned from Arthur is that we should test things out. If you think you're interested in something, Invest your time and focus on learning and doing that thing. Do your research. By the end of it, you'll be able to make a more informed decision about whether you want to continue pursuing this or which parts of it you want to pursue. So, test things out. The third thing I learned was that it's very important to have role models and mentors who have a strong work ethic at the forefront of your mind. They could be a source of strength to help you rally in times when you feel like giving up. I encourage you to go have a look at Niger Beta. I placed links for the documentary in the show notes. Arthur, thanks again for sharing your time, your knowledge, and your experience with us. Vernal, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having this podcast. This is great. And to everyone out there, keep crafting knowledge, skill, and expertise. Thank you for listening.